Hello, my love. Welcome back to the Fairly Bold podcast, where we discuss that intersection between femininity and leadership. I am so excited about today's episode. I had the honor of interviewing one of my top professors from when I did my master's, and the woman is even more full of wisdom than what I remember. Dr. Kathleen Oliari is the chair of the marketing department at Nova Southeastern University. She's a marketing expert with years of experience in different fields. She's been published by different journals, worked on research for many international conferences, and honestly, she's just one of the most assertive women I've ever met. Some of the things we talked about on this conversation were important skills to harvest as leaders, Dr. Oliari's take on feminism, the importance of staying humble while also being assertive, and guess what? To my surprise, paying attention to external factors can actually be a good idea. One of my favorite things that she said is that we need to know what we're talking about. Make sure you study. Then it's going to be difficult for someone to criticize you. She also shared her best advice if you want to become a great leader. And she gave so much insight about her background and journey. Plus, I loved how this interview felt like a conversation over coffee. And you'll see why I say that in a minute. I really hope you enjoy this one. Perception has evolved because I feel like this modern narrative that women, we are enough, we are perfect, we don't need anyone, we have to be everything ourselves. That's the modern, yeah, show your body, empowerment through your body. And I went through that route and even the numbers show that we are more depressed than ever, like my generation. So that of I am everything that I need is not necessarily true. But there's women like me who are very driven and ambitious. Is there a way to reconcile being feminine? and being driven and ambitious and how we can navigate both in our lives. So it's about leadership and leading as a woman because something I've also noticed is that sometimes female leaders feel like they need to become a man almost in the, on the outside, even the way they speak, they are rude. It's not feminine and it's not necessary. And I want to show that there's women who've been super successful without letting go of their femininity and they're still very assertive, knowledgeable. And that's why I want to present you as a speaker and conferences because you've done these things without needing to okay. let go of yourself. So that's basically the, the structure of what I want to achieve. Okay, that sounds good. And I think you just said it in a nutshell, without letting go of yourself, because to be a leader and to be feminine are not two different things. A leader is either a male or a female. You guys in your generation, unfortunately, I think the, the 60s revolution, female revolution, got kind of hijacked by this idea that if you're going to succeed as a woman, you have to fight. Now, years ago, I will say in the beginning of my career, it was a little more difficult because you know it wasn't as well accepted to have women in leadership roles. But the more time went on, I think that's just a sociological change that happened. The more time went on, more and more women started getting into management and higher positions. And then that stigma kind of went away. I mean, this will crack you up. When I was working for Citibank in Manhattan, I remember we, we wore suits with these little bow ties that were kind of like <laughs> imitating a man's tie. Oh, they were horrible. They were so horrible. But, you know, we grew out of that and, and we started getting suits that were cute and, you know, skirts shortened. And so now with women, I have seen what you're talking about. I have seen women who 
think they have to be mean and step on people in order to get somewhere. I personally have never felt that. If you're smart and you work hard and you know what you're doing, why? The best leaders pull people up with them. They don't put them down. And, you know, if you have good people working with you and working under you, it just makes you look better. Everything, all your successes, you know, just just look better. So it just makes sense to pull people up, male or female. You know, you asked about femininity. I don't think there's any definition for that. You are who you are. I will say women have a tendency to be more insecure than men. That's just, I think, a natural part of us. And I would say that's something that, especially younger women, should deal with. They should really try to encourage their self, self-esteem and not allow people to put them down and, you know, doubt them. And when you get into some management positions, there will be people, just because of their personalities, whether they're men or women, who will try to put their own self first and their own ideas first. And they may try to, you know, say your idea isn't any good. And, and women have to learn not to let their self-doubt interfere. If you have an idea and you know it's good, then stick with it. Don't let people take that away from you. So, you know, leadership is a funny thing. You, I think one of the qualities of a good leader, again, male or female, I, I'm just not into the feminism whole I hate men bit. I'm sorry, but I love men. (laughs) You know, I had a father, I have a brother, I have a husband. (laughs) I happen to like men a lot. And one of the things I always found was you have to learn to walk in someone else's shoes. If you have an issue or one of your subordinates has an issue, listening is an excellent skill. And I think women are better listeners than men. And again, I'm not saying from a feminism point of view, I'm just saying from uh, sociological, natural differences between men and women, because there are differences between men and women, period. So listening is a great skill to have. And putting yourself in somebody else's shoes is a great skill to have, because sometimes we have a tendency, especially strong women, I would have to say, if you're a strong woman, sometimes you have a tendency to think, hey, you know, I know what's best. And that's when you have to kind of stop and go, hmm, I didn't think of it that way. Or maybe they're looking at it from a different angle. Or I mean, have you ever had a conversation with someone and towards the middle, you're going, I don't think we're talking about the same thing. Put yourself in someone else's shoes is a really, really good skill to develop. You've mentioned so many interesting things. And I want to explore little by little, you've talked about being humble but assertive. I think it's hard because you don't know how to understand criticism sometimes or where to draw the line, where you listen to what people are saying, especially where you have power or people under you. So you need to make decisions and there's always going to be someone who's not going to like those decisions. So how do you draw that line between being humble and listening and being so confident in what you're doing that you don't let external factors affect that vision that you have? Number one, you should always let external factors come into play. You have to. I mean, we work in a society where we have to be a team player. So, but I see what you're saying. You can be humble, but by humble, I don't mean self-effacing. I mean, you can be strong in your conviction 
and strong in your idea. And just make sure you know what you're talking about and make sure you've studied and researched and understand what you're saying. And then it would be very difficult for someone to criticize you or put you down because you're emboldened by the truth. You have the facts. And someone who is very against men could say, well, for men, it's easier to talk without the facts than for women, which is why we need to take over more space and be louder, because for us, it's more difficult to be heard than for a man. A man can talk and not know anything, and people are just going to listen to him. In your experience, has that been true? Yes, <laughs> that has been true. There are certain things as a woman you do need to learn to do. And there are some tricks that I was taught along the way by good women. One of them is, I mean, there have been studies done that when you go into a, a boardroom or a, a conference room, you'll find all the men go in and sit towards the head of the table where the organizer of the meeting is, the, the big guy, and that women tend to stand towards the back. So I learned this. If you're going into a meeting, it's mostly men. And I have to say most of my career was now things have changed. I don't, I don't find that anymore at all. But I would go in and grab a seat up at the head of the table. And then, you know, those seats in the conference room, this is a little trick for you. You can raise them, raise your seat. So you are at full head height. So that's a little trick too. So you're not melting away there, right? Because women are smaller. So perception is part of it. Yes, that has happened, but you don't have to be louder. That would be a mistake. You have to get the attention of whoever's running the meeting when you want to speak, but you don't have to get loud. That can be annoying to people. And if it's annoying, they turn off. They won't listen to you. So yes, you have to get people's attention. As I said, you have it a lot easier these days because uh, society has learned that women are just as smart as men, just as driven as men, and just successful as men. So there's no contest. When you were talking about building other women under you because you've been built by other women, do you feel like there's a sense of competition amongst women? And how, if, if you feel like there is, how can we get over that competition or being uncomfortable because that these other women is going to take over my role? It really depends on the person. I have had situations where a woman who I reported to was in extreme competition with me to the point where it got ridiculous and, and I asked for a transfer. But I've also had women who helped me in my career. I remember going in and talking to the mean one and saying, do you have a problem with me? Oh, no, no. And then she'd turn around and stab me in the back every chance she got. Now, that's just a personality. That could be a man, too. I've, I've had men do it, too. So, again, if a woman is feeling self-doubt, that's their own problem. I was not challenging her role. She felt that I was, but that was her internal doubting of herself, right? So, you, you just have to handle it. Sometimes you have to ask for a transfer. What do you someone who's listening is the person who is insecure about another woman on her team. And maybe she's listening and she's like, oh snap, this is my own problem. How can I now handle it? And how can I move forward? Because I don't want to look weak going to apologizing and going through this whole process. How can I grow without it affecting how I perceived among my peers? 
Okay, that's a good question. If I am speaking to someone who who has been, shall we say, less than fair to a coworker or someone who reports to you, and you're smart enough to watch this and take some advice, you have to let that go. So maybe you want to talk to that person and say, hey, you know, you don't have to apologize or, or even confront it. Just say, hey, you know that report you handed me last week? That was really good. You know, I'm sorry I didn't tell you before, but I was just thinking about it, and that was really good. And I'm telling you, that's all it will take. That person will do anything for you. In management, giving someone a pat on the back is the best thing you can do. That's really incredible because we don't want to look emotional. And I've been told by men co-workers that they are confused as of how to treat us because they are afraid of hurting our feelings or if they give us a compliment, then we're going to think that they are hitting on us. So this person told me, I'd rather not say anything to you guys because you are so emotional. I don't know if you're in that time of the month and then your hormones get the best of you. He was concerned. He was coming from a very concerned place. So those interactions can be difficult. And I don't know if you've had those difficult interactions where your emotions were being questioned as the reason for you making a decision. You know, I know a lot of guys, especially these days, you know, anything you say could get you in trouble. So a lot of men don't interact with us the way that they do with their male guys, you know. But, you know, if you, if you run into that, just say, just treat me as a person, not, you know, someone totally different. Just, I'm your coworker. Treat me like me. Yeah, I do get emotional sometimes. I am a woman. That's going to happen, but that's okay. A lot of our listeners could listen to you and be like, of course, she talks like that. She has a position of power, but you haven't always had that position. So I think that it would be amazing if you could tell a couple of stories of times where you were initiating your career, where you felt that need of, I want to be an assertive leader, or I don't feel valued, or if you ever went through that, because maybe you didn't, or how can I express myself and how you push through those doubts and insecurities to be able to be the leader that you are today? I had something occur when I was working in Manhattan for Citibank in their financial marketing department, that we had a new VP of marketing. And she was a woman. She was the first woman VP of marketing at Citibank. And she was a nice person. And then one of my coworkers, Cynthia, knew her. She was good friends with her. So at that point, I was pretty much running the department. We didn't really have a department head. And I would say to Cynthia, Cynthia, tell her this, this, and this. And we need to look into this. And we need to do this and blah, 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 right? Managerial. So what I did not know was she was going into her and telling her all this as if it was her, as if it came from her, and she thought of all this. So wasn't I surprised when a VP spot came open and she got it? <laughs> and I thought, you know what? Idiot. She, she, I was, that was hard. But I learned a lesson. I learned a good lesson. Uh, don't let someone else steal your thunder. Make sure people know who's behind it. Is there a way to go around that? Because I've heard that story a lot. I had a coworker who told me that when she was starting out, her old boss did the same to her and she just had to, to go somewhere else. There was nothing for her to do. It depends on your situation. Honestly, if you're going to have a, a boss like that, you don't want to work for them anyway, number one. Bosses should say, hey, even when they're relaying, say, an idea to their boss, 
they should be saying, hey, this came from so-and-so, but it's a great idea, and here's how we can implement it, you know? They should always be doing that. I always do that with, you know, like even with my dean, I'll say, hey, one of my faculty had a great idea. Why don't we blah, blah, blah? So, yeah, if she's just being nasty and trying to, this is the, what I was talking about before. If somebody's being nasty, again, it could be a man or a woman, and trying to get ahead off of your ideas, you have to deal with it because you will not blossom in that atmosphere. And you always have to remember any job you take is a step in your journey of management. And you have to make sure that that journey stays on track. And a situation like that can be toxic and you have to get out of it. And now that we're on the topic of criticism, what are some actionable steps that someone can take to express discomfort in a situation? Because as I said, we don't want to seem emotional, but we want to be firm. So mm -hmm. how communication-wise, what's the best way to both deliver criticism and accept criticism and respond to criticism? Okay, that's tough because we all have egos. And again, strong women have, tend to have a little bit of a stronger ego. So giving criticism, because that's part of your job, always has to be matched with compliments. You always have to show one side and the other. And you don't deliver it in a tone of voice that's, you know what you did last week, you know, blah, 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 why'd you do that? You know, it has to be. So when we're reviewing what happened last week in this situation, maybe we could have done something a little better. Maybe we could have, and it's delivered in such a way that the person doesn't start immediately feeling attacked. So you don't want that. So you have to couch it with, and you know, what you really did great last week was blah, blah, blah. So you have to do that. As far as accepting criticism, that's really hard. Hopefully it's delivered correctly, so it makes it easier. But if it isn't, you have to hold your temper. <laughs> you have to hold your temper and you have to hold back saying something you'll regret. That's why, you know, we always tell people as far as getting something via email and you're just tempted to whoa, get up go into the kitchen, get a glass of water, walk around, pet the dog, then come back and think. Don't respond immediately because it won't work out well. <laughs> I've done and that. If you could give three resources or actions that you've taken in your life that have been fundamental. For example, in my case, education has been Paramount. I know that some people think that you don't need education nowadays because you can learn everything through YouTube. I completely disagree. I think that a professional education, even if you end up doing something else, builds you up in different ways. So that would be one of my tips. What would be three things in your life that you think that are going to make you a great leader and the great female leader that you want to be? Well, I would have to agree with you about education. Because, no, you can't Google everything, and no, you can't YouTube everything. Uh, and even if you could, what an education does is it teaches you how to think. And that's what makes a good leader. When you're in a position to you have to think on your feet, people who are used to Googling will fall flat on their face. So, yes, I agree, and education is paramount. Another thing in my life, I always wanted to run my own business. So when I moved to Florida... I ran my own marketing company for many years, and that taught me a whole lot because I was on the other side of the coin. It was fun. It was really hard work, but it was great. 
So, you know, doing different things in your life just adds to the picture. I mean, I've done a lot of different things. I was a flight attendant. I was a singer. I was, you know, a corporate person. I ran my own company. Um, Then finally, I ended up in academia. So I think adding pieces to the puzzle, it's just, it makes you a more well-rounded person. And the more you see, the more you can react with kindness and patience to situations. And what has been the most fulfilling out of all those roles you've had? What do you feel that has been game changer for you? It can be flight attendant. <laughs> no, that wasn't it. Trust me. <laughs> that was a really boring job after the first year. I don't know. I would have to say getting into academia. I really enjoy this. I really enjoy teaching. I like being with students. I like the interaction of the class. I like learning because every class I, I teach, I learn. Everybody has a different perspective and everybody has different life experiences. And I, I learn a lot in class. So I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am right now. That's amazing. And I want to thank you, Dr. Oliari, for being here. I want to say publicly that you've been such an inspiration for me. You've made me into a grounded professional. And I didn't know that you went into so many different professions, but that just gives me more inspiration because I am multi-passionate. And a lot of our audience, they are multi-passionate too, and they think that they have to continue following a straight line if they want to be a leader, and you are the perfect proof that you don't. No, you can zigzag. It's okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time, and I hope we can have you back soon. Hi, I am very flattered, and thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening today. I hope this is really building you up and that you found this conversation inspiring. As always, you can find the corresponding blog post for this episode at fairlybold.com. There you can also find all the ways to get in touch. And please, let's connect on my Instagram at Eugenia Morgallo. And if you can't spell it, that's fine. I'm going to have it in the description box. And let's just keep this conversation going. See you next time.